Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. The principles of honesty and integrity that Sam Lehman founded his business on continue today over 55 years later at Sam Lehman Chevrolet Buick in Eureka. Owned and operated by the Birchie family, Sam Lehman in Eureka appreciates the support they've received from their customers all over Central Illinois and beyond. Visit them today at LehmanGM.com. Kirsten Watson is my guest today, and she is a mom of seven and wife of author and retired NFL player Benjamin Watson. She's going to help us remember how to find our identity in Christ rather than fame or outward success, and she will challenge us to simplify our family life in order to elevate time spent doing what matters most. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Kirsten. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm so excited to chat with you, and I really admire how much you seem to have a high capacity. So will you just provide a bit of background on your story and your family? Oh, wow. Okay, where do I begin? Um, And the fact that you say I have a high capacity is really funny as well. I have been married for 17 years. Together, my husband and I have seven children, age range from 13 to 3. We met at the University of Georgia, where I played softball, and he transferred from Duke and played football there. We met at Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I graduated with a degree in marketing and a minor in Spanish with the thoughts of one day running my own business. So I went and worked for the Home Depot Corporation here in Atlanta, Georgia. And from there, we got married. And for the last 17 years, I've really kind of traveled. Um, across the United States with different teams that my husband was playing for. And my whole thoughts and ideas of what my life would look like as a young 21, 22-year-old have been very different (laughs) since then. Just like most people that have kids, we have school and we have after-school activities, which requires my husband and I to be kind of an Uber service to get everyone where they need to go on time and picked up. We do dinner together as a family with those who are who are there, and uh, we do homework, and we go to bed. We have a bedtime, and everyone's in their room at a certain time, so that way we have an opportunity to adult at night before I fall asleep, and the Lord has just really taken me in places that I had no idea that I would go. And I have to add one additional piece. I did not realize that you used to intern at Chick-fil-A. Is that right? That is correct. I interned for one summer in the marketing department under David Salyers. And that actually was, it was a really cool pivot point for me in just terms of like how I viewed corporate America and what I thought it should look like and could look like. So yeah, that internship was a huge deal. And I say now, if I ever went back into corporate America, it probably would only be for (laughs) (laughs) Chick-fil-A. I totally get it. My husband pivoted to work with Chick-fil-A after a completely different career back in 2009, and we absolutely love it. But going back to a point you made, so you have seven children and just a busy life in general. So What is that like for you when I'm imagining we only have four children, but everybody wants their turn to be heard? And 
Do you find yourself having to have these specific rhythms in place to get everybody to their places at the right time or to get things done and moved forward in your home? You know, I can probably be somewhat of an over communicator and definitely like on Sunday nights at dinner, I kind of communicate the the week to everyone, like if anything's different or changing. And then even on the way to school or that morning at breakfast, I'm like, okay, so here's what it looks like today after school. So kind of everyone has an idea of how it's going to move and shake for that day and for the week. Like if I'm traveling or my husband's traveling, So I try to communicate that to them so they've heard it once. I mean, granted, I have to repeat it like a million times after that. But the idea is to let them know what to expect. And I think as much as we can during the day where things kind of shuffle and are different, it's like one thing we want to make sure we do is we always have like those touch points. And for us, it's breakfast. You know, everyone eats breakfast together. We go to school together and then dinner and how we all go to bed. Like we have the same process all the time. Even if there's one person that's at practice, everybody else is the same thing. And I think I do that to try to create some normalcy. But you're right. It's like when we're coming home from school, it's everybody gets a chance to speak about their day. You know, like what was a high point? What what did you laugh about? What did you eat for lunch or whatever? And so everybody gets a moment to speak and then it's kind of free for all. <laughs> You know, and that takes most of our ride home by the time all five of them tell a story and answer the questions. And so after that, I just kind of look for a little time for me to connect one on one the rest of the time that we have in the afternoon, whether it's to a a drive to, you know, a practice or a pickup and, you know, try to connect with them on a deeper level when everyone's not present. Hmm. That's a really good practical point that sometimes it seems like that deeper discipleship sometimes can happen more naturally when it is one-on-one, but you really have to fight for those times with a larger family. You do, but it's worth it. And, you know, I think they learn something in the, in the midst of it, of, you know, like what I have to say is important, but other people are important as well. Mm-hmm. You know, just making sure that my talkers understand that they don't always get to go first, you know, and giving other people an opportunity to talk. So it's it's definitely all a great learning process. And, you still find time clearly to meet with the Lord and to do some writing. And your book entitled Sis, Take a Breath just came out this year. And so I'm curious, what prompted you to write it? (laughs) That was all the Lord, because I never in a million years, if it was to put on my top 20 things to do in my life, would it, it would not even make the top 20, or maybe 50 for that matter. I just never thought that would be something that I would do. And Um, It was always kind of a joke, you know, when I'd meet one-on-one with another lady or, you know, through our time in the NFL, and people would say, you need to write this down. And I'm like, eh, you know, whatever, just call me, whatever, we'll talk about it. And so it it became more of like the joke, especially as the longer we stayed in the NFL, the older I got. And then it just became apparent that I was going to write a book and I didn't want to. And so literally in my time with the Lord, I was like, Lord, if you want me to write this book, like it's got to be so clear that it's ridiculous. And so it was, ha- it happened during COVID. And literally within that week, I got a call from a publisher, a call from somebody who said they wanted to help me write it. It was just, it was too many signs after my time with the Lord saying, I don't want to do this, that I couldn't say no. And so that's how the book came to fruition. Honestly, it was definitely not at a dream list for me, but 
looking back and thinking about the process was just an act of obedience of God saying, like, you have something to say and you need to say it. And so it was it was more speaking to my heart more than it was actually coming out with a physical book, if that makes sense. Hmm. And that's the best reason to write one. So now have there been any stories of anybody once individuals got their hands on it? Has anybody been able to reach out to you and share their experience? Yeah, I think that's the best part about it, honestly, because, you know, you write a book and I didn't take the the traditional way of writing and like, you know, sit pin the paper and like map out all my chapters. I literally met with an amazing writer and I told her, you know, as a mom of little people right now, it's like, I don't really have a lot of time. It needs to be storytelling. I need to be like, I need to be engaged. And so I wanted the book to be something of a story of a lot of different stories. And if it's anything like my life, we're going to laugh, we're going to cry, we're going to have serious moments and times that are silly. And so she did a great job of just asking me questions that prompted stories. And so, you know, in writing that, I think, you know, sometimes we feel isolated in our lives. Like, you know, this is my story and no one understands me. And what I've learned and what people have told me is that even though our lives may look different, there's a lot of overlap. And so the the feedback that I've gotten is that, man, like I really connected with that. I really connected with being the new girl when you move. I really connected with experiencing miscarriages and not being able to share that with anyone. And I think that's been the greatest kind of response to the book uh, more than the book is just been that other women can connect and realize that they're not alone in this thing called life and that God is really connecting us all through our stories, but more so that he's present in all of our stories as well. Absolutely. And so I just want to say thank you for writing this book. Many people may never experience being famous as you and your husband are, but I think that we can still glean your wisdom from living in the spotlight. So what do you think God has taught you through fame and living life in the public eye? Well, there's been a lot. And I would say where I am now is in a much different place than I was even 17 years ago, being newly married and Benjamin, you know, getting drafted and playing on a Super Bowl team. And I think the main thing that we all have to be mindful of is where we find our identity. When our identity is wrapped up in things of this world and other people's opinions and likes and dislikes and followers and prestige and the things that we see on TV, like we are in a very vulnerable position to crack under pressure, to not really have a firm foundation. And I think the one thing that I learned is it, more important than what people see out there, whatever the out there looks like or means, what's more important is what's going on inside. And so that's inside of me personally in my relationship with the Lord. It's inside our home and what we're teaching our kids through parenting and how we're treating each other through our marriage. And, you know, and the hope is that what you see outside is, is a reflection of what's actually going on inside. You know, I just had to really just make sure that my identity and my my worth and my value and my love come from the Lord and being a daughter of the King and that being first. Hmm. That's well said. And this is a bit of a side note, but clearly your husband's also in the public spotlight. So when you're going back to those first years being a newlywed, 
How did you handle the attention that he was getting from other females? Um, <laughs> I have several stories about that. And, you know, it definitely is something that he is awesome. And so you have to recognize, you know, how he's seen. And But I also think coming out of whether it was in dating relationships where there was infidelity or cheating or having that in your family, I think you come into some situations thinking, you know, I have to be worried or I have to be mindful or I have to all these things that I have to do. And I think early on, you know, I always tell the story when we're together, how, you know, women would come up and want a picture with him and ask me to take the picture. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, like, I am not the camera woman. Or, you know, people would say, Oh, he's so great. And I'd be like, Yeah, he's great. But he also needs to pick up his laundry, like, <laughs> whatever. And so it's like those things that were happening in the in the early stages of our marriage. And I think that, again, going back to that identity piece, it's recognizing and knowing that my identity comes from Christ. And so when I understood that, and as I continue to grow and understand that, my worth, my love, my beauty, like how he sees me was my cake, so to speak. And Benjamin was the icing. Like I wasn't looking to Benjamin to say and fulfill and to do things that were not quote unquote, his responsibility, like my identity wasn't in Benjamin. And so when my identity goes to Christ, Benjamin becomes the icing on the cake, what his responsibility is in terms of, you know, making sure that I'm comfortable, making sure that I feel safe, those things happen naturally, because I already have comfort in who I am, and then I'm able to, to express that. So I think when it comes to him being in the public eye, and a lot of that came from having you know, me understanding what I was putting on him, whether it was fair or unfair in terms of making me feel safe. And then two, having honest conversation with him. And like I said, he's awesome. And that we figured out how we're going to maneuver through this thing called fandom. Then it just, it became very easy because it was always like we knew how to maneuver certain situations that would happen. That part became easy once we were able to have the conversation. Yeah, because I'm just thinking of the woman listening who maybe she feels like she's in similar shoes to you or that her husband interacts with a lot of admiring women in their workplace. So is there any godly wisdom that helped you in this area that you think you could offer to her? Yeah, I mean, I think it just kind of goes back to what are you afraid of and why? And I think that work starts with yourself. And so it, when you hear a lie, like whatever lie you're hearing in that situation, it's important for you to recognize where that came from and to get healing from that and to realize maybe that that's not your husband's issue. That's something else from somewhere else. And so I think when we're able to deal with those issues appropriately and let God come in and heal those things. And more importantly, understand and recognize the lie that we're hearing about ourselves. I think that some of that work has to happen within our own hearts and it's our own fight, so to speak. So if I'm hearing like, Kirsten, you're not, you're not worthy or Kirsten, you're not worth it. Or, you know, if I'm hearing those, those lies from the enemy, then I'm already projecting something out there that may not be true. So it's it's recognizing where to put the work. So my, my advice to you is that if you feel that in situation, like recognize the lie the enemy is telling you about yourself, if there's anything, and fight that with truth from the word. And so that way you you can enter into that 
knowing what you're hearing and what you're seeing so that when you communicate how you feel to your husband, like this makes me feel this way, or is there another way we can approach this? Then, you know, you've done the work on your part as well, opposed to just making it be about everything he has to change. And I think that honesty really does help when you have the conversation because then like for, for us, it was just like, it was just kind of a no brainer and how Benjamin was the work he was supposed to do. If that makes sense. Am I making sense? Yes, that definitely makes sense. And even, so what was an example? So when people would ask you to take the picture, then how did the two of you decide to handle those situations? Yeah, so it recently happened. And depending on the situation, sometimes he'll make a joke, you know, like, that's my wife or whatever. Sometimes they'll say, sometimes they'll recognize me as well. And I understand if you if you're a football fan and you just want a picture with Benjamin, I get it. But he'll say, no, I'll take the picture or like he'll do like a selfie kind of thing and he'll hold it out or he'll ask someone part of their party to take the picture. But it's just it's just known that I'm not the one to take the picture. And, you know, it's just like we just know that like I just won't just it's not for Kirsten to do. And so whether it's through kind of like a joking manner or. He just takes it into his own hands, like, hey, hold the hold the camera up. I'll get right here and, you know, we'll do it together. That's just kind of like an easy way opposed to, you know, looking at me and, the you know, the, whoever it is. And there's often times where I really don't care. Sometimes I'll, be, I'll just take the picture. It's not that big a deal. So it's just we just have we've been doing it long enough now to where it happens second nature, so to speak. Yeah. And thank you. I know that we kind of zeroed in on one example, but I think that's helpful just to hear your interactions of how you honor one another and respect each other and what that looks like in real life played out. So I appreciate you sharing. And now a brief message from our sponsor. Sam Lehman Chevrolet Buick in Eureka has been owned and operated by the Birchie family for over 25 years. A lot has changed in the car business since Sam and Steven's grandfather, Sam Lehman, opened his first Chevrolet dealership over 55 years ago. If you visit their dealership today, though, you'll find that not everything has changed. They still operate their dealership like their grandfather did, with honesty and integrity. Sam and Steven understand that you have many different choices in where you buy or service your vehicle. This is why they do everything they can to make the car buying process as easy and hassle-free as possible. They are thankful for the many lasting friendships that began with a simple, welcome to Sam Layman's. Their customers keep coming back because they experience something different. I've known Sam and Steven and their wives my entire life, and I can vouch for their character and integrity, which makes it easy to highly recommend you check them out today. Your car buying process doesn't have to be something you dread. So come see for yourself at Sam Layman Chevrolet Buick in Eureka. Sam and Steven would love to see you, and they appreciate your business. Learn more at their website, laymaneureka.com, or visit them on Facebook by searching for Sam Layman Eureka. You can also call them at 309-467-2351. Thanks for your sponsorship. If you could give busy women one piece of advice, what would it be and why? Just one. <laughs> um... Well, you know, ultimately, I keep saying, I've said this before, that I wish when it comes to being busy, there was this magic pill we could take and then we wouldn't be busy. Although I wish that was the reality. It's not. But I do think we have an opportunity as busy people, busy women, to really look at what we're busy with and say, is this the best yes 
there's a lot of good things we can be a part of. There's a lot of good things that we quote unquote have to do. But I do think there may be some wiggle room, so to speak, to say like this is a good thing, but it's not the best thing, maybe even for right now. And so like the way I look at the things that I have to do, it's like I'm juggling these balls in the air, you know, trying to keep everything from hitting the floor. But then when I look closely at the things that I'm involved in, some of those things are like crystal. And if I drop them, they will shatter and that will not be good. Like those have to stay in the air. But there's some other things that look like crystal. They look like they're glass, but they're actually like plastic. You know, so if I drop them, they may make a noise, but they're not going to shatter. And so the idea for the busy woman is to really look at your at your life, your schedule. I just even say for moms, the things that your kids are involved in and say, you know, what can wait? What is not the best thing for us to be involved in? And sometimes it goes even further back to saying like, you know, what is really important? Sometimes we get caught up in doing things and we get caught up in being busy and we haven't even thought about why we're so busy. Like this is just what we do. And so for me, it's like recognizing there are some foundational key things that I think are important for me and are important for my family. And so I fill those buckets first and then everything else kind of gets put into place around that so that we keep what we deem as the most important, the most important. It may be a no to one of my kids that they can't participate in something this time because of whatever reason, but there may be another time. And so you know, I think sometimes we have a hard time saying no, and we have a hard time not letting our kids be a part of things because of what they'll miss out on, when ultimately I think God is calling us to, to give the best of our time. And so my encouragement or my advice would be just to really look at the things and say, like, these are the things that I, that cannot change. And here are some things that we probably could take off of our plate, which would make us less busy and available for more family time or whatever it is that's important to you. And so it's just really taking a look at our schedule and saying, we don't have to say yes to everything. It's not safe for us or for our kids. And nor do I think it's really healthy, you know, and you realize that there are some places where you, like for me, I had to realize that there are some places and areas that I was busy in, but I was totally replaceable. (laughs) That's hard to say because I think I'm, you you think you're so important and what you bring is so great. But you really are replaceable in that someone can do what you're doing, maybe not exactly the same way, but it gets the job done. And that's okay. And so be present in the places that you are irreplaceable and be okay to be replaced for a moment or for a season or forever um, in those places that aren't as important. That's so good, Kristen. And it's just making me want to pause and kind of reflect on that and take inventory, just starting off with listing all the things. What are we committed to? Listing it for the entire family and then seeing where the Lord would have us remove some things. Because rarely is it wise to keep adding things. I'm sure he's more so teaching us the discipline of subtracting. Right. Especially when we say we don't have time for things that we would love to do like I would love to join a small group, but we just don't have time because everyone's in a million activities. Okay, well, maybe for a season we say, no, this is what we're going to do or we're going to have family time. We're going to have dinner together. We're going to whatever it is for you that you wish you could do but can't. 
maybe that's the spirit tugging on you saying like, this is going to be something that if you didn't do, you're really going to miss out on like what God has for you and the family or what he has for you personally. And so sometimes that takes courage. And like I said, like the last thing I want to say is, gosh, you're replaceable. But that is the reality mm. of things. Yes, that's just truth. Well spoken. Yeah. So you say when we inhale God's word, we exhale peace. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yes, I would say in my 20s and 30s, for sure, I read the Bible and was part of small groups and Bible studies. But it's been in the last two or three years that I've actually committed to reading it every day and reading it in a year. I think the last few years of my life have been very different in that I'm in his word every day consistently. I mean, granted, I'm not perfect. There are definitely days where it's like I miss or three days in a row. I'm not saying that I do it perfectly, but I'm saying that the goal and the the consistency of being in his word has been top of mind. And things are not perfect by any means, but I do feel as though knowing his word, his truth, understanding a little bit more the story and stories that I've read over and over again, or even just last year and I, and I'm in a different place. And so I read them and I glean something complete. Like I was like, was that always there? Surely that was not always there. And it was, it's like the Lord has just opened my eyes to more things. And I think the peace that I yearn for is not that my life is easy, but that in the midst of all of that, that I remember that I'm not alone and that God is with me. I think that's, what I've been wanting for so long. And I hope I grow. And I don't, like I said, I don't do that perfectly, but I'm hoping that I gain more of it. Like I want more of the peace that the spirit gives. I want more of the fruit that is a result of being in his word and being with him and communing with him and singing about him and talking about him. And that's what I mean by that. I think the more that we inhale the word, however it is, like, You know, when I had little people, I wasn't like studying the word like I am now. I was like watching VeggieTales, you know, like, and I was like, Lord, you're going to have to speak through Bob the Tomato today because this is all I got, you know, and it's like just wanting to hear him and wanting to know him more. And I think that's what gets us through this thing called life because it's not easy and it's not always going the way that I would have it to go. But I do know and trust that. He is sovereign, meaning that he already knows, like he is not surprised and he is faithful because not only was he faithful to the Israelites, he's been faithful in my life. And we only know that and gain that from knowing what his word says. And so that's what I mean by that. I think the more that we are connected to him and that we read his word, I think there's a peace about us in the midst of what looks like chaos that happens as a result. You know, that's so fascinating. If we count the Patreon episodes of The Savvy Sauce, we're over 200 interviews. And I would say that a common thread for the people who are living vibrant or flourishing lives or have so much to share, I would say that common thread is that they are soaking in the word daily. And like you said, times happen where maybe they miss a day or two, but that they are faithfully 
abiding in the Lord. And that's what he says in his word, that that's what brings about the fruit. The other interesting piece is that I've also noticed people who have a lot to share are either in counseling or they have met with a counselor in the past. Those are two common themes that I see. So that's interesting to hear you reiterate it. Yeah, for sure. It's the thing that keeps you going for sure. Cause it's so easy to get caught up in my own control on what I can do on my own. And I think most of us are pretty capable people. <laughs> and so, you know, if you have one child, if you have no kids and you're just working like that, there's a, there's a part of you that has to be capable. And then as you, you get married and you have, you have kids, I mean, there's a part of you that's able to manage a lot. And so I think because we can maybe manage and perform at a high level, we sometimes think that just reading God's word is not going to do much. And so I am learning, continuing to learn that that is not the truth for me. <laughs> it's not the truth in my life. Like my control and ability to do whatever falls short. And I'd much rather try to be in his word on the front end than like, letting him be my, you know, the last resort. There is an exciting project taking place behind the scenes right now, and I would love to invite you to participate. I will give you more details as I'm able, but for now, here's my request. Will you email me your personal story of a specific way God has clearly shown up in your life? Big or small, I want to hear an account of the way he made himself known to you and maybe received credit for an answered prayer, or a way he worked out a situation in a miraculous way, or how he displayed his power in your life. There is no limit to the type of story to submit, as long as it's true. So please email me your story at this email address, info at thesavvysauce.com. I can't wait to read your story. Thanks for sharing. And then to just go really practical, will you share a little bit more about your practice of pruning on anniversaries? Uh, (laughs) Yes. So um, on anniversaries, we have these talks around these, we call them like the major buckets um, of our marriage. And so like, how are we doing spiritually, individually? How are we doing together? Like, what did we read or what did we talk about, you know, Normally, our anniversary, we talk about the last year, and then we prepare for the the year ahead. And so all of that is just kind of like, you know, what activities did we do that we didn't think that were necessary, what we're going to be involved in next year. I mean, we talk about everything from like, you know, how long did our arguments last? You know, like, was there something that we think we can do differently that we could put in place? We we talk about, you know, our sexual relationship. We talk about, you know, what what was it like last year? Like, would we do something different? You know, how do you honestly feel about it? So it's all of these like honest conversations that happen that we do as a way of just, like you said, pruning our relationship, but also just not letting years go by without addressing certain things. And so anniversaries is a great time to remember (laughs) to talk about those things. But the hope is that we're discussing some of these things throughout the year. But that marriage piece and that relationship really is important, especially if you have kids, because at some point they're going to be gone. And so I always tell Benjamin, like, I really want to like you, like, I'm going to love you, because I'm called to love you, but I want to like you as well. And so our anniversaries are our time that we do that to make sure we still like each other. 
I love that. And then also I've heard you speak before about the benefits of family camp. So are there (laughs) any takeaways you want to share with us? Yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, just for the past two years, it's been family camp. And we did not know that it existed. Um, We've done family vacations before. But the idea around family camp and the reason why it has been so impactful for our family is because you kind of go with one common goal of just being able to hang out together away from your home. You're experiencing things that you don't do on a normal basis, whether it's like stuff on the lake or games or whatever, but it's just a good time to get away. And they all at our family camp that we went to, like all the kids had their own groups of friends and counselors. And then Benjamin and I have our time together as a couple. And it's just like refreshing and renewing to go and to hear about the Lord and to sing and to talk about it and have family devotions and, you know, for Benjamin and I to get some rest. I mean, at our family camp, I want to take all of the counselors home. I'm like, can I take you home with me? Because you're awesome (laughs) and have tons of energy that I don't have. Maybe I had in my 20s. But um, family camp has just been a great time for us to to get a week away and reconnect and connect in different ways that we wouldn't be able to do at home. It's just been an awesome thing that my kids keep asking and making sure that we're still signed up to go to. But anything that you can do that connects you as a family and gets you to experience things that you haven't done before, you know, it's different for everyone. But it's just making the time to get away for for some time together. I also thought it was fascinating how you wrote on pages 9 and 10. Benjamin pretty much stayed under the radar for his first decade in the NFL. As his wife, I'd pray for him to prosper. I prayed for the Lord to use us as a couple. I'd say, Lord, let him catch the winning touchdown. Or Lord, let him find favor with this new team. And Benjamin did prosper. He had an amazing 16 years in the NFL. Still, he wasn't in the spotlight during most of his football career. National fame came into our lives in an unexpected way. He wrote a Facebook post. And after reading that piece in your book, now both of you are authors and you have such important messages to communicate. So if you bear with me just a little bit longer... I'll just summarize page 116 in your chapter entitled The Talk, Straight Talk to My Peach Sisters, where you say, please do not say racism doesn't exist. Do not say you are colorblind and don't ask your colorful friends how they've been affected by racism. So Kirsten, I'm just very grateful for your gracious candor here And I wanted to know if there's anything else you wanted to make sure that we hear on this topic. Well, with the first thing with Benjamin, I always think back to like the David and Goliath story because all of David's people, all of his brothers were out fighting the war and he was just being a shepherd, like just being a shepherd. And God did not waste that. Like what he was learning while he was doing that, prepared him for what was coming next. And so that first part was just a reminder that God doesn't waste anything. And then then that often we can look at someone else's life and say, I want that. Like, I want that marriage. I want that calling. I want that book 
fail or I want whatever it is that like we want somebody else's journey. And I think what was so clearly shown to me is that, you know, God gives us all different journeys and not one of them is more important than the other. They're different, but they're not more important. He has, there's no partiality in his eyes. And so it's important for all of us to run our race well. And also on a practical level, like you may think you want what you see, but you may have no idea what that comes with or what that road was to get that. And you may not want it. And so it's just important for us as we see people in the limelight to recognize and we could admire some of the pieces that we see about them, but to never diminish our own light and what God has given us and the journey that he has given us individually and collectively because it's all important to the kingdom and the more we focus on what we wish our life looked like or what we were doing looked like the kingdom and God's community misses out because what I bring is only what I can bring because that's what God's given me and what you bring is only what you bring and that's because that's what God has given you and so it's just the reminder with the whole thing with the Facebook post is like, I was praying for something that I thought would be a, a way God would be uplifted. If he caught the winning touchdown at the Super Bowl, or he did these amazing things on the football field. And that's what I thought. But the God of the universe said, you know what? No, I'm going to use a Facebook post. Oh, by the way, he doesn't even know how to post to Facebook, <laughs> but I'm going to use that as a way to move my son in a position that I want him to be in. And so it's just, just the reminder that we may think we know it all. And we say, God, here's the plan. Jump on in. Like, I got this. And God's like, no, no, Kirsten. No, no, I got this. Just be faithful with what I've given you and, and know that I'll use whatever I want. And so that's that with that first one, that's kind of like the takeaway to that one. And then the second piece around racism and just around seeing people, it kind of goes, I mean, it goes back to the fact that all of us are image bearers. And as we see the differences in all of us, that's the beauty of the kingdom. That's the beauty of the God that we serve. And so when we say race and we talk about justice and we talk about these things, especially now, you know, it's one of those things where there's people who would rather just not talk about it and just rather say, you know, that's too much or it's not that big of a deal. Or there's nothing I can do and I just would rather not. But then there's other people, your brothers and sisters, who can't do that. <laughs> they can't put it on a shelf. It's just it, it is who we are and what we experience daily. And so just the encouragement was whether or not we're talking about race or whether or not we're talking about parenting or whether we're talking about marriage or whether we're talking about feeding the hungry or the widows or the orphans, like all of these things matter to God. And so just to remember that when we listen, we should listen with a humble heart and we should listen with grace and mercy and know that we are called to mourn with our fellow brothers and sisters, as well as rejoice with our fellow brothers and sisters. And so that chapter was just really just a, a reminder. It's like, it's just, it doesn't stick out from any of the other chapters. It's just one of the many chapters in the book that just reminds us to love people well and as brothers and sisters in Christ to listen when someone is hurting. 
And is there anything else that the Lord is teaching you in this season that you want to share with us today? Man, just just to take a breath. <laughs> I hate to say it, sounds, but it's just one of, something that I've been saying even before the book was coming. It's just this life is a lot, man. But the more we have breath, the more God says, "No, you're going to be here. You're not. You're not leaving yet." Just know that we are not alone. That's what I'm learning. I'm learning that it's still hard. There's no magic pill that takes it away, but how I approach things and how I tackle things matters. And sometimes my breath is is the thing that will get me through and help me to have a better perspective on what I'm getting ready to go into. And if anybody wants to pick up a copy of the book or if they want to learn more from you, where would you direct them to go online? Yeah, you can go well anywhere they sell books. You can go and find Sis Take a Breath. So it's available everywhere. Um, if there's anything else you want to hear about me, we have a podcast, my husband and I, called Why or Why Not with the Watsons. And that's on Access More or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And then another place you can, if, you, if you're if you a mom out there and you just want to figure out about navigating momhood and knowing that there's a lot going on, whether you have littles or you, you have high schoolers or getting ready for college or they're getting married, um, you can check me out on Mom Life Today. So I'm the executive editor there. We have tons of resources from a lot of brilliant moms from all different types, walks of life, giving advice on just momming. And um, you can check that out and just get some encouragement. Because one thing as moms, we know we, we definitely need wisdom. We need encouragement, but we need community. And so Mom Life Today is a place that you can go get that as well. Wonderful. We will link to all of that in the show notes for today's episode. And you may already know that we're called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge or insight. And so as my final question for you today, what is your Savvy Sauce? Read your Bible. <laughs> oh my God. I, I tell you the, the insight and the the practicality of the word is so good. And the more you read and the more you pray that God would just open your eyes to understanding a little bit. I mean, not all of it. There's I mean, there's so much to learn. But just read, just read, just listen, and it will not come back void. Amen to that. And Kirsten, you are a beautiful and brilliant woman and you've experienced fame in your life and so much success and there's all these accolades from the outside. And yet sitting here getting to chat with you, you are so humble and I experience you as very kind hearted and gentle in your approach and so down to earth. It feels like I've known you for years. <laughs> and so I'm sure everybody listening is just going to wish that they were neighbors with you. But Thank you for wrapping up so much of this wisdom and putting it in this beautiful book. And thank you for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. You have a blessed day for sure. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news. And I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so He cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from Him. 
This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10:9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.